The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, church. I'm so glad you're here. Did you know it's more fun when you're here? I'm telling you, I, I come in on Saturdays and I preach to an empty room, and it's not nearly as fun as when you're here on Sundays. So I'm so glad that you're here. Um, Pastor Jace, thank you for clarifying that uh, the event this summer is worship and s'mores, because uh, I thought people were just asking for s'more worship. Came up with that all by myself. Yeah, all right. Hey, um, <laughs> that was dumb. Uh, I noticed, and I'm so excited that some of our Harvest College students are returning for the summer, and I just want to say welcome uh, to our college students. We're glad that you're here uh, for the summer, hanging out with us, and we're just really excited. One of those happens to be our daughter, uh, but there are some others, and we're so excited. Would you welcome our college students back? <clears throat> and, and I would encourage you... Um, that uh, if you are close to one of these college students, take them out to, to lunch this summer or do something nice to them. Tell them how much you love them. Invest in their lives. And uh, we, are, we really are just so thrilled that you're home. And also, I wanted to tell you, this week is Teacher Appreciation Week. How many, is, do you have any teachers in the room? Do you have any, anyone that's a, a teacher? Wave your hand in the air. Any teachers? There's one. There's, there's one up there. So teachers, thank you so much for all you do uh, in our community for the next generation. Uh, and so you'll know. One of the things we're uh, doing this week, Pastor Madison will be on uh, two of our local campuses uh, doing some teacher appreciation things on behalf uh, of Harvest. And we actually started early. This week we took a bunch of teachers' donuts. We did a big taco bar uh, on Friday for one of our schools. And this week we're doing some more things. And we just love the teachers in our community. But I wanted to say to the teachers here at Harvest how thankful uh, we are for all of you. We are starting a new series today. Are you excited about that? Uh, you didn't know that we were, so you might not have been. Now, now that you know we're starting a new series, are you excited about that? All right, we're starting a new series. It's called Familia, and uh, it's about all things family, all right? All things family. It's going to give us a chance to talk about marriage and parenting and, and conflict, and uh, we're going to do a, a week on social media. We're going to talk about the next generation. We're going to talk about communication. I mean, there's just so much that we're going to be able to talk about in this series. I'm really excited. I, I, uh, I loved uh, our last series as we talked about Jesus, and it just really did something to my heart, but now we're going to take a little bit of a turn. We're going to use the Bible to talk about one of the most practical parts of our life, you know, how to, how to family. And speaking of family, I also want to take just a moment and welcome my in-laws who have now officially moved to Albuquerque. They're sitting right down here. <clears throat> Pastor Jace was uh, welcoming our online audience, and, and it hit me that our online audience is down two today uh, because they've been watching online as they prepared to move here, but we're so glad that you're here, and I know you're going to want to get to know them. They're absolutely incredible. Family comes in all shapes and sizes, right? You might be sitting there thinking, well, my family doesn't look like your family, or my family doesn't look like that family. And, and that's the thing is family comes in all shapes and sizes. There's a term called the nuclear family that, that honestly, it used to be used more often. And, and the reason it's not used as often anymore is because it's much harder to find the nuclear family. The nuclear family is just a one mom, one dad, and a couple of kids living under one roof in the same family, all together, married, um, having a wonderful life. That was the nuclear family. But family comes in all shapes and sizes. Now, um, there's all kinds. I mean, I, I hesitate to even like, you know, start naming someone, but I will. Um, we have single moms who are raising their kids, which by the way, um, next week's Mother's Day. I'm excited for Mother's Day. I'm excited because I don't have to preach and Pastor Lisa gets to preach. It's going to be awesome. But single moms, uh, we always do something special on Mother's Day. We do something for all of the moms, but for years now, we've done something extra for the single moms, and this is why, is because you are literally my heroes, okay? Like, I don't know how you do it, all right? There's two of us, and uh, Lisa and I, and between the two of us, it is a juggling act. I mean, every day, we're looking at the calendar, and we're like, all right, this kid gets out at this time and needs to go to this place, and this one goes to this, and this, and, you know, we thought it would be easier when Mercy went to college 
college because now we're, we're like back to man-to-man defense, right? But it didn't get any easier at all. We're still like just trying all the time to get all the kids to all the places and do all the things and sing alongs. I don't know how you do it. And so we're going to we have something special next week for you for uh, Mother's Day. Single dads. There's some single dads that are, you're doing it too. You're doing the work. You're, you're, you're doing it. We have, we have families that, that you, your, your family has been disrupted because maybe of divorce or because of, of death or because of some other thing, some conflict. So, so you're having to navigate all of this. You have, you have families that have stepchildren. You have blended families. You have grandparents who are now raising their grandkids as their own children because of some situation. You have families that uh, maybe you're just married and you don't even have kids yet. Maybe you're married and you don't want kids, right? That's okay as well. All right, there's, there, all I'm saying is this, is that family comes in all shapes and sizes. And I'm, I'm a little bit nervous when I start a family series that you will disqualify yourself because you'll say, well, my family doesn't look like that family. And I just don't know if this series is going to help me or not. And I just want to make you this promise that whatever your family looks like, I promise you that the things that we're going to learn from God's word are going to apply to you. And here's one of the things, I'll give you a pro tip as we start this series, that one of the ways that uh, I promise this is going to have application in your life is that throughout this series, we're going to toggle between your church family and your natural family as we look for ways to apply the things that we're learning from God's Word. So church family and, God, and, and natural family. So um, most of you don't get to choose your natural family, but you do get to choose your church family. I think you've chosen a great church family. I was thinking uh, this week about it, um, uh, Pastor Jason, Sarah, um, pa- Pastor Jace is on our staff. You heard from him a few minutes ago. Pastor Sarah is our worship leader. Uh, Pastor Jace preached last week, by the way. Well, he did a fantastic job, didn't he? Yes? yes? All right. I thought you did a great job. Um, and, uh, and he actually told a story uh, about his twins. They, they have twin boys. They were, they were in here for Dash for Cash. One of them was zooming around. The other just stayed right up here, just stayed right up here. And uh, uh, we were just, Jason and I were laughing about it. But I, I remember Jace telling me one day this story. He said, you know, when our, if we happen to be in the front yard and our neighbor pulls in to their driveway, when they get out of their car, their twins, the two, the, the, the two twins, they say, hi, neighbor, with a V, not a B. Right, they're they're young. They're what four, right? Four. Okay. So they say hi, neighbor. Right, so cute. And then and then they'll be talking to Jason, Sarah, and they'll say this. They'll say this. They'll say, Mom, Dad, when are we going to our church family? Right? When are we going to see our church family? And uh, Lisa was reminding me that there was one day that they were the twins were talking to our youngest Eden, and they thought we our family lived here. They thought they said, Are you going to your church home? To your church home? We're like, We we don't live there but that was hard. They couldn't understand that, right? I hope, and and I'm looking around, and I know this is true of most of you, I hope that that church for you is not just a place you go on a Sunday morning, but I hope that you have found some church family, right? Someone that you have, have chosen to do life with. That, that this, I'm just telling you, church, church family is so, so important. I, I grew up in church. My parents were pastors, and I remember growing up that, that uh, I, I, I had church family. I mean, I, I remember um, literally every teacher ever that I had growing up in Sunday Sunday school and kids church and our and our boys program called Royal Rangers. Every single teacher that I had, my parents would walk me in to the classroom and loud enough for me to hear, they would tell the teacher, now listen, if anything happens while Jason's in your in your care and you need to spank him, you have my full permission to spank him and you better do it right. You better spank him hard, make it count. And I'm like, I'm right here, dad, you know? And so he just, they, they gave everyone permission to, to help them parent me. And to be fair, they needed some help, okay? They really did. Church family is so, so important. Today, our first message in this series is simply titled, Pass It On. And it's inspired by a psalm that King David wrote, Psalm 145, starting in verse 1. It says this. It says, I will, it's a, it's a psalm of praise, all right? David uh, is praising the Lord, and he says, I will exalt you, my God, my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of 
praise, his greatness, no one can fathom. And then this line really catches my attention as we talk about family. He says, one generation commends your works to another generation. Okay, so it's this, this picture of generations passing things on to the next generation. One generation commends your works. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor, of your majesty. And David says, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell. So he's, he's saying, look, the generation before me, they tell of the power of your awesome works. So David, he concludes, he says, I will proclaim your great deeds. This, this psalm talks about one generation passing things down, passing their, really their faith down, one generation to the next. And, and that's really what I want us to talk about today is passing it on. And before we do, I just want to pause. We're going to pray. If you're uh, a guest here, this is something we do uh, really every Sunday is we believe that God's word is living and it's active, that it's powerful, and that God has a unique message that's for you and for me and for our family today. Like it's not an old message, it's a today message right where you're at, right where you're, right where you're walking through. And so we just do this thing where we pause and we just pray and we ask the Lord to speak to us. And what's so amazing about it is he's so faithful and every week he just speaks to us, he helps us right where you're at. It's, a, it's a, an amazing thing how when we go into God's word with that mindset and we allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our lives, just what will happen. And so how many of you will pray that prayer with me today? All right, let's do it. So Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises that are in your word for every single one of our families. Whatever our family looks like, whatever uh, is going on, you have a word for us today. And so we ask you today, speak to us all across this room, every single person. As we open our hearts, we want to hear from you today. So we're listening in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. What are you passing down to the next generation? Now, you need to know a couple of things. The first thing is this, that you can either pass things down intentionally or accidentally, all right? You can either, you can either be very purposeful and, and, and mindful, and you can say, this is what I'm going to pass down, and you, you're, you're really thoughtful in that, or the opposite is, if you're not intentional, you are going to pass some things down accidentally. Either way, something is going to be passed down. Parents that are in the room, isn't it scary that to, to consider what we might be passing down to our children that we don't even realize? The things that they're observing and we don't know that they're watching. We don't know that they're listening. We're, we're not really thinking about, are they paying attention to this? But they're, they're, they're picking it up. They're, they're paying attention and we're passing things down unintentionally. I, I was thinking about this, and I, I have quite a few examples, but uh, I, I thought you might enjoy this story. You know, Lisa and I um, have been married for almost 23 years now. 23 this summer, we'll celebrate in July. And I was thinking about, you know, when you get married, and especially men, I, I don't know how the women think, we've, I haven't ever figured that out, but men, this is how we think, is, is I'm getting ready to marry Lisa, and I just, I think Lisa's the most beautiful woman on the planet. I think she's the most kind person I've ever met in my life. I mean, I just, I tell her, tell her, you are an angel. I don't know how you put up with all this. I don't know how, you know, she's amazing. And so I met, we got married. And how many of you, don't raise, don't raise your hands. You might get in trouble. Just agree in your heads, okay? You get married, and then you learn some things about your spouse that you couldn't have learned before, because now you're living together, right? Now you're, you're like, I mean, it's front row. Like, you are there. You're seeing everything. You're like, you can't hide your stuff anymore, right? That's, that's what happens. And so we got married, and it was awesome. It, it is awesome. And we're moving along, and, and it wasn't long into our marriage. I'm in the other room, and I hear this noise, and, and I thought to myself, maybe the television is on in the other room, because I know that, that noise could not have come from my beautiful bride. Do you want to know what that noise was? That noise was her hacking up something horrific out of her. I mean, it was just this, like, and I'm thinking, there's no way. There's no way. That's from my bride. There's no way. So I, I just put it away. I just dismissed it. And a couple days later, I hear this horrific sound yet again. So I go into the bathroom and I said, hey, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, why? I said, I mean, it sounded like you were dying in here. And 
I just was concerned, you know, concerned newlywed husband. I, I, are you, really, like, are you okay? And she's like, she didn't get it. And, and so I, I said, babe, you were like, you were hacking, like, like something. I mean, it was like something died inside of you and it needed to come out. And I'm just, I'm concerned. And, 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 and she says to me, she says, she says, well, my dad hacks like this every morning and, and I learned from him. And I'm like, so, so just to be clear, you didn't ever know that you could clear your throat quietly? Like there's a way to just like quietly clear your throat? And she's like, this is how, watch it, this is how we do it. And I'm like, who is we? And she's like, me and my dad. I'm like, your dad isn't here. Any lo- I married you. I, I, come on, right? Are you following me? And I, I'm positive. I'm positive. And my in-laws are here. You can ask them after service. I'm positive that my father-in-law did not pull Lisa aside as a young child and say, now listen, Lisa, this is how the Williams clear their throat. I'm going to teach them. And she, he, he, I tell you, he didn't teach her that technique. She heard him doing it, and she decided that's how we do it. And so she picked that up. And, and here's what I'm telling you. We pass things on either intentionally or accidentally, right? I was thinking of another example. You know, Lisa was a teacher and, and uh, just amazing with kids. And one day, one day, I'm watching our youngest daughter, Eden. So we have three daughters. All three of them are amazing with kids. They all serve or have served in our Harvest Kids ministry. I'm so, so proud of them. One day, I'm observing our youngest daughter, Eden, and uh, she had a child that she was caring for, and the child is having a bit of a breakdown, as sometimes young children do. And I watched as our youngest daughter, Eden, she got down on the child's level and she brought her volume down and she spoke to that child and she, she just calmed him down and she, she just started doing like this and all of a sudden the child just calmed down and I'm like, she's a kid ninja. How did she do that? And then I realized this. I realized that growing up, I remember we had three girls. They're all very different. We love all of them. They're all amazing. But I remembered this. Ava was a handful and I remember how many times I watched Lisa get down on Ava's level and speak like that to Ava. And I thought, Eden learned how to take care of kids by watching her mom take care of her sister. Isn't that amazing? I'm just telling you, Lisa never pulled Eden aside and said, this is how you do it. She just picked it up, right? We, we pick up things either, either on purpose or accidentally. But either way, what, this is the question. What are we passing on? There's a passage in the Bible, it's in uh, the book of Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy is a, it's actually a long sermon that's given by Moses before he passes away. He recounts the teachings and the stories of the the previous books of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, which are are really the story of God's people, the Israelites, and their their escape from captivity and and all the miracles and all the things that are happening. Deuteronomy recounts those. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, we revisit um, the Ten Commandments that were given previously in Exodus. And then we come to to the chapter I really want us to look at today, um, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And here God is giving Moses some very important instructions that he wants Moses to pass on to to his people, to the the Israelites. And in a nutshell, the teaching is is this in Deuteronomy 6. I will read it, but I want to tell you about it. In a nutshell, it's a teaching to love and to fear the Lord by keeping his commands. You're going to hear this over and over. So chapter 5 tells us the commands. Chapter 6 is about fear the Lord, love the Lord, and keep his commands. And it adds this, and pass these things on on to future generations. In Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, this is what we're going to read this morning. This is a a passage of scripture that's called the Shema. It's an important passage to a Jewish audience because the the word Shema, this is is literally the first word of the the verse 4 that we're going to start with. It it means hear, okay? So it's Shema is hear. He's saying, listen up, Israel, listen. Hear hear what I'm about to tell you. And this passage that we're going to read, it's the centerpiece of the daily 
daily morning and evening prayers in, in Judaism. It's an affirmation. You'll hear this. Uh, it's an affirmation of God's singularity and exclusivity as the one true God and King of our lives. And this passage is it's just packed with powerful lessons that help us to think about this idea today with family of what are we passing on. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says this, Hear, O Israel, listen up, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They're saying he is the God, he's the only God, he's the one God, <laughs> he is the God, he is Lord and King of our lives. And then he gives this, what's called the great command, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Y'all have heard this, and all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gate. Here's what I see when I read that particular uh, set of scripture is that God is very serious about his people passing down his ways, <laughs> the ways of the Lord. He, he goes to great length to, to tell Moses how to do this, this passing down of our faith. One of the words that's used in this passage, he says, impress them on your children. That, that word impress, it just kind of stopped me as I read through this. And, and I spent quite a bit of time just thinking about that word, impress. It, it, it impresses, it, it, it means to, to like make a mark, right? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stamp or, or a seal. Like there's, there's something there that, that, that has to happen that uh, is intentional, right? Like you don't impress something on your children without intentionality, without some time, without some effort, without some thought. He says, impress these things in your children's lives. And I just have to tell you today that impressions are not made by living casually. They're not made by just, by just kind of floating through life, by just kind of, well, let's see what happens, right? Let's, let's, see, let's see if our kids get it, right? Let's just, let's hope. Let's hope that our, our children will grow up with good morals. Let's hope that, you know, somehow they'll discover the truth of God's word. Like, like this casual approach is not going to cut it. To impress this on your children, to, to impress this on the next generation, I'm just telling you, it is going to to require that you are intentional about everything in your life, about the things you do and the ways you do them and the things you say and how you say them. It's, gonna, it's absolutely going to require that you are paying attention if you want to pass these things down, not by accident, but on purpose. Without getting on a soapbox, I'll, I'll just tell you what concerns me uh, is this, is that, that the current young generation, I believe, is having a difficult time following Jesus because there's not been much of an impression that has been made by the generation that they're following. That, that I just, I'm concerned that the older generation, I'll just throw myself in there as one of those, that I just wonder, like, have we lived our faith out too casually. And so we haven't left an impression on our kids. In fact, here's what happens is because we're not intentionally leaving an impression that our faith is important, that, that we're going to follow the Lord and we're going to obey his commands. We're going we're gonna to value his word. We're, if we're not leaving that impression, the opposite is what happens. And the impression becomes, well, it must not be that important. It must not be that important because, because it's not important to mom and dad. I mean, they say it's important, but, but their life doesn't back that up. And so the impression actually is the opposite of our words. And the impression is, well, I don't know how important faith is. I, I'm concerned because culture is, is kind of this way today as well. We'll, we'll go to church when it's, when it's convenient, 
when there's not something better to do, when, when there's not something else on our schedule, we'll just we'll kind of fit it in. It's not priority. We just kind of do it when it works. We, we live generously when we can afford it. We forgive when we want to. We love when it works for us. The, this is the type of casual attitude that I'm just telling you, that will not leave the impression that we're hoping to leave that, that Deuteronomy talks about when he says, obey my commands, love the Lord, and impress them on your children. He says, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. That's how, how it started out. The Shema here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. That, that, there's so much intentionality to that. This is our Lord and our God, and here's how we back that up. So Deuteronomy tells us, this is how you impress on the next generation. You talk about it. You talk about it when you're, when you're sitting and when you walk, when you're at home and it's quiet, and, and, and also when you're going places. I'll just tell you, some of my favorite lessons growing up were, were not when we were sitting quietly, you know, and, and mom or dad just, just took that chance to speak into our lives. But honestly, most of the faith lessons that I remember happened when we were out living life. When, we, when, I, when I saw how my parents treated someone, when I listened to how they loved one another, how they communicated with one another, when, when we were out doing things, I, I, I paid attention and I, and I learned things about the faith that I now have because my parents, thank God, they didn't just live it at church, they lived it all week long. And so as we were out living life, I, I picked up some lessons. This is what Deuteronomy is saying. He said, he said impress it on your children when you're, when you're at home and when you're out, when you're walking and when you're quiet, like in, in all of the context. I, I'll tell you a couple of stories. I learned uh, about instant obedience when my dad and I were walking one day in the mountains and all of a sudden my dad just simply said, Jason, stop right where you are. And I stopped because, because I, I, I trusted my dad's voice. I didn't know why I was stopping. I didn't know what was the matter, but I stopped only to realize that I was one step away from stepping on a rattlesnake. And my dad grabbed my elbow and he pulled me back and we looked at that and I'm like, and I remember, I remember, I, I learned that day. Here's the deal. I didn't just learn about instant obedience when it comes to mom and dad. I learned that day about instant obedience when it comes to my heavenly father. Are you seeing this? Because as we walked away from that experience, my dad took advantage of that moment and he poured into my life and he taught me about God and his favor and his love. And I learned, I learned that day. I learned about prayer because one day my dad and I were fishing. We were close to each other in the river. My dad was catching fish. I was not catching fish. I didn't know what was wrong. We had the same fly on our line. It didn't make any sense. We're in the same pool of water. I should be catching fish. And then I realized as I looked up river that my dad's lips were moving, just barely, just barely moving. Just, and I, but he wasn't, I couldn't hear him. And then it hit me. I said, Dad, you're cheating. He said, what do you mean? I said, are you praying right now? He goes, I always pray when I fish. And I learned that day, I learned that day, that if you want to catch fish, you pray. No, I learned that day, I learned that day, that prayer was not just something that my dad did on Sundays. It wasn't just something, I had seen him do it in our, in our home. I, I, it wasn't just something to do at home. Like, I saw that day that the relationship that my dad has with the Lord is a vibrant, living, all the time relationship. It's not compartmentalized to just parts of his. I learned that day because my dad impressed these things on me as we were out, as we were living life. Parents, what are you passing on? Grandparents, what are you passing on? What, what are we passing on to our children, whether it's accidentally or on purpose, which on purpose is much better, I'm just telling you. What are we passing down? Deuteronomy continues, says, when you lie down and when you get up, this is, this is kind of the idea. It's like when you're going to bed and when you're waking up, right? Both, both of those, by the way, parents, especially as your children are younger, uh, the going to bed and the getting up are such great opportunities to impress things on your children, to have quick conversations, to say a prayer with them, to encourage them, to speak life into them. It's, just, it's such a great time in the, in the waking up and in, and in the going to bed. And then he says this, he says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. 
If you study Jewish culture, you'll learn that the Jews took this so seriously that they actually began to tie little leather boxes um, with God's word. They'd write God's word and they'd put it in these little leather boxes and they would, they would literally tie it on their forehead as a, as a reminder. And the idea is simply this in Deuteronomy. He says, when he says, tie it around your hands, hands tend to, to be about our actions, the things that we're doing, right? So when you're out and you're working and you're planting and you're, you're doing and you're, you're doing, you're, you're working to remember God's word, and, the, and then the mind, put them, put them on your forehead. It's, it has to do with your thoughts. He's saying, uh, make sure all of your thoughts are headed towards the Lord. You're thinking about him, and, and this, is, this is the idea. Impre- what are you passing on? Impress them on your children. There, there's a pattern in Deuteronomy 6, and it's, it's just this. It, it, we don't read the whole thing, but here's the pattern, is keep God's command. Teach it to your children, do not forget God's command, okay? And then it repeats, keep God's command, teach them to your children. This is, this is the pattern if you read through Deuteronomy 6. Don't forget God's command, teach them to your children. Don't forget God's command, teach them to your children. Don't forget God's command, teach them to your children. There's a, another passage in Deuteronomy chapter 11. I'll skip a couple of chapters. It's very similar to the one that we just read, but I want to read it to you because it has some, some fun things in it. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1 says, Love the Lord your God. <clears throat> Keep his commandments, his decrees, his laws, and his commands. So there's that pattern again. Remember God's command. Follow God's commands. Verse 2, remember that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, his majesty, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm, the signs he performed, and the things he did in the, in the heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his whole country, what he did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and chariots, how he overwhelmed them with the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought lasting ruin on them. It was not your children who saw what he did for you in the wilderness until you arrived at this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abraham, sons of Eliab, the Reubenite, when the earth opened its mouth right in front of the middle of all the Israel and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that belonged to them. But it was your own eyes that saw these great things the Lord has done. This passage um, points something out that's so important that really illustrates why we have a responsibility to pass down our faith. And it's simply this, that some of the next generation have not seen what you have seen. That, that's what he reminds him in Deuteronomy 11. He says, look, your kids, because you got to remember, Deuteronomy, they're recounting the stories of Exodus. How, how the people of God escaped miraculously from the, the cruel leadership, the, the slavery of Pharaoh. And how they were leaving and they, they ran into the Red Sea and the armies behind them. And God miraculously opened up the sea and they crossed the sea. And the sea crushed all of the enemy. Like, the, the kids weren't there. They didn't see that. They didn't know that it happened. They didn't know how God provided miraculously the, the manna every day when they would wake up. They, they didn't see all. They didn't know. They didn't know this stuff. And so Deuteronomy reminds us, says, hey, hey, older generation, they don't know about it because they weren't there. They didn't see it. They didn't experience it. They, they, didn't, they don't know about this. So it's your responsibility to pass this on. He says, they didn't experience it. They don't know. They don't know. How would they know unless they hear the stories? How would they know about the majesty of God, the miracles of God, the power of God, the victories? How would they know unless you bring them along and you pass down those stories? So it's important for us to pass it on. Pass it on. That's the question we're asking. What are we passing down? As I thought about this, I remember this idea of the the passing down of things that, that I had not experienced. I thought about my papa, and I thought about my papa pastored a little country church in Oklahoma. And I, and I remember spending summers with him. We, my parents would, would ship my brother and I out for two weeks every summer. We loved it. My papa had a little 40-acre you know, pasture with a few cows in it, and a little pond stocked with catfish. I mean, it was just a, a boy's dream. I mean, we'd go out there, and we'd just spend two weeks catching grasshoppers and catching bluegill and, and helping him with the cows. We felt like, you know, we're, we're from Albuquerque, but we felt like cowboys, you know. I had a little cowboy hat, little boots. I only wore them two weeks a year, but I'd 
I'd go out there and I'd pretend to be a cowboy in Oklahoma. I just, I loved it. But I tell you, the, the, the things that I remember is, I remember waking up early in the morning and Papa wasn't there at the house. And the little church he, he pastored was like two blocks away. And, and so I'd get ready and, and I'd walk the two blocks and I'd go to, he had a little side entrance into his office and I'd, and I'd knock on his door and he'd open his door and he'd be in the study praying and studying God's word. And he'd say, he'd say Jace, he always called me Jace, he'd say, Jace, come on in. And he'd invite me in. I'd sit there in his office, and I would and I, and he and I would watch. I'd learn how to pray. I'd learn how to study God's word. I'd learn from him. And 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 I, and I had to kind of pull it out of him, honestly. But I'd I'd start asking stories, and I loved asking, Papa, tell me, tell me about when you got saved. He, oh, Jace, you don't want to know that story. Yes, I do. Tell me that story. And he'd pass it on. He'd share these things. And, and I'd say, Papa, tell me about when you were called into the ministry. Papa, tell me about the church you pastored over here. Papa, tell me, are you, are you following this? It was because he had experienced things that I had not experienced, that I didn't know about. I wasn't there, so I didn't have any way to learn those things unless he was willing to pass them on. I'm, tr- I'm trying to encourage you today. You have some faith stories that need to be passed on. That if you don't pass them on, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, they will not know about it unless you and I take seriously the idea to pass them on. So because it's not their faith yet, the next generation, because they didn't experience they don't know about it. Deuteronomy tells us again in Deuteronomy 11 what to do. Right after this passage, it tells us what to do. It's the same thing as Deuteronomy 6. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them where you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates so that the days, here's the promise, so that the days uh, of your children may be many. That's what we want for our kids, right? We want the blessing of the Lord, the favor of God to, to be on our kids. And Deuteronomy literally tells us how to do it. And it has to do with this really simple idea of how do we pass it on. So I want to get really practical for just a couple of minutes here. Uh, I want to help you with how do, we, how do we pass our faith on to our children. Uh, a few days ago, I was kind of been processing this message. I've been praying about this message, and, and all of a sudden, I, I had this 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 memory from from uh, from English class. All right, <laughs> and, and and it caught my attention because I rarely think about English class. And, and all of a sudden, I remembered that it, it's the five W's that that I remember my teacher teaching us in writing to to pay attention to the five W's. And you probably know what they are: who, what, where, why, when. Y'all remember learning that? I don't know how they teach it now, but that's what I remember learning. And I remember waking, I woke up and I was like, why am I thinking about the five W's? And then I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, I'm showing you how to pass it on. I'm showing you how to pass it on. And so I just want to help you today with these five W's. How do we pass our faith on to the next generation? I'll just use these. Number one, teach them who. Teach them who. There's kind of two really important things here that I want you to catch. Number one is this. Teach the next generation who God is. Listen, we have to pass it on. Who God is. Remember in the Shema, it started like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. There's so much in that passage. They're teaching that this is the God that we follow. They're saying he is the only God. He is the true God. He is Lord of our life. He is Savior of our life. Like, there's so much in this passage, and I'm just trying to help you today with whatever you know, kids, grandkids, neighbor kids, harvest kids. Like, like, it is our responsibility to teach the next generation who God is. There's a lot of kids today in the world who, who believe that there is a God but they don't know God. <laughs> they believe there is a God, but they don't know, they don't know the character of God. They don't, know, they don't know his ways. They don't know his word. They don't know the path to follow him. So it's our responsibility. How do we, how do we pass it on? We've got to teach him the who. And the first part is that we've got to teach him who God is. And here's the, here's the second part, is that, that we've got to teach the next generation who they are. <laughs> who they are. <laughs> 
There's this verse in Galatians chapter 4. It says this. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. The, the lesson is simply this. I mean, this is for all of us. But I'm trying to help you with how to pass it on. Is that you are a child of God. And because you're a child of God, you are an heir to his throne. You are an heir to everything that he possesses. Uh, Lisa and I had a meeting a couple of weeks ago with uh, our attorney to help us to, to uh, update our, our, uh, our estate, right? Our estate planning because, you know, we, our, our will, our, our, our last will and testament, right? And so we're going through it. And, and honestly, for us, it's pretty easy. We're like, you know, we, it's two of us. And if she dies, I get it. If I die, she gets it. And if we die, then three girls get it. I mean, it's, it wasn't that complicated. We're going through all of those, all of those things. And, 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 then, and then she, the, 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 they started asking about, well, what do you want to happen when you, when you pass? Do you, do you want me to write anything in you know, that's specific and about this fast? They go, oh, I know exactly what I want to happen. And Lisa kind of looked at me like, you, you thought about this? I said, yes, I want you to cremate me. And I want you to take my ashes to my favorite trout river. And I want you, and then, and then she just like looks at me like, you are ridiculous. And I'm like, no, I'm, te- I'm teasing, I'm teasing, right? The idea of a, of a will, of an estate plan, it's, it's just to make sure that your heirs rightfully receive what, what is theirs, because, not because, just because they're your heir, right? My, my, my kids will, if they play their cards right and they don't screw it up, they will inherit, I said that on purpose, they will inherit some things because they are our heirs. And this is what Galatians says. He says, hey, listen, you're not a slave. You're a child of God. And because you are a, a child, God has made you an heir to his, that, that's powerful stuff. And I'm just telling you today, this is, this is what we got to be passing down. You got to help our kids to understand who they are. And, and here's why I'm worried, because there's a crisis in America today, because too many people are confused about who they are, because no one ever taught them who God says that they are. We have to teach our children who they are. And let me just clear something up. It might not be popular today, but it's true, so I'm going to tell you, all right? I'm going to clear something up. The way you find out who you are is you go back to your creator. Listen, You don't get to decide who you are because you wake up one day and decide you want to be a jackrabbit doesn't mean you are a jackrabbit. You've got to go back to your creator. The creator is the only one that gets to tell you who you are because the creator had a plan in mind when he knit you together, when he formed you, when he dreamed about you, when he put, I mean, I'm just telling you, you go back to your creator and you say, who am I? And God says, well, you're my son, and I love you, and I made you this way, and I want you to do this with your life, and I'm dreaming about this. that. That's how you discover who you are. And I'm, I'm just concerned that the crisis that we currently have in our hands where people are, are just so confused about who they are, I, re, I believe it traces back to this simple idea that we're not passing it down from generation to generation. We're not teaching the who. We're not teaching the who. There's parents today who, who are waiting to identify the gender of their child on the birth certificate in hopes that one day their child will grow up and decide for themselves what gender they are. I'm just here to tell you today that that's not the way that it works and that we need a passing down of biblical truth. We need to teach the who. This is who God is and this is who God says that you are. Are you with me? I was pretty sure this part would get quiet, and it's okay. Number two, teach them the who. Number two, teach them the what. The what. What, what we do. What we do, okay? Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, has this famous um, passage where Joshua says very courageously, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I just tell you that we need a, we need a little more of that in, in, the, in America church today. You know, a little bit more of that in the American home today. As for me and my house, we will serve 
the Lord. I, I, I just don't get parents who are afraid to tell their kids how their family does things. <laughs> okay, I'll just tell you how it works in my home is that as long as our kids are in my home, under my roof, under our roof, under our care, and we're paying for the bills and we're doing the things, I have full right to tell them how things happen in our home. This is how it works. We got to teach the what. Here's what we do, right? Here's how, here, here's, here's the things that, that we do. And so I just made a little list. I mean, it could be a lot longer than this, but some things in our, in our home is, was this. We go to church. I know it's not popular today, but that's, I know I'm preaching to the choir too. Maybe someone watching online will listen to this, right? I was teasing. I'm, I'm not teasing. They're listening. We told our kids, we go to church. Well, dad, what if there's a, a sporting event on my, that my team, what if, what if there's a game on a Sunday? We go to church. What if, what if my friend has a birthday party? We go to church. What if this, what if we go to church? I just, I'll just tell you right now, my kids never got to vote on this. Okay, they, they never, they, it wouldn't have mattered what their vote was. This was, we taught them from a really early age. We go to church right? We, we taught them very early that we're a family that believes in prayer, right? We pray. We stop. We pray. Remember, first of the year, pray first, right? We, we've taught our children. I'm not saying we got it all right all of the time. We made plenty of mistakes along the way, but our children have learned along the way. This is what we do. In our home, we serve the Lord. We go to church. We pray. How about this? We live generously, we live generously. Our kids have been learning this lesson since very early. They watched us do it. They heard us talk about it. They heard the testimonies of how we lived generously and God provided and did miracles. And then we started, when we started give them, giving them an allowance, we taught them how to, how to tithe off of their allowance. Because here's the deal. They're, they're, getting, they're, getting, they're getting such a small amount of money, right, that it was easy to learn how to tithe on a small amount of money. You, you, need to, you need to know this. A lot of people say, well, I'll start tithing when I make more money. No, you won't. Because if you can't do it on a little, you won't do it on a lot. And that's why God won't give you a lot, because he knows he can't trust you with a lot, because he can't trust you with a little. So we wanted our kids from really early age, we wanted them to, to understand and, and to know how this works. And so we set it up with, we got a little system where we set it up. I mean, they get their allowance, and as soon as they get their allowance, the, the, the tithe goes in. And, I mean, I'm just telling you. We, we just taught them. This is what we do. Like in our home, this is what it means to serve the Lord. We live generously. We, we taught them. We forgive. To be honest, Lisa taught them that better than I did, but, but I'm still working on it. We, we forgive. We encourage one another, right? I don't know if this happens in your home, but every once in a while, about four times a day, our kids get snarky with one another. Does that ever happen? And we have to pause. And we go, hey, hey, that's not what we do in this house. We encourage one another. We speak life to one another. We love one another. That's, that's not allowed in this house. We're not going to let you get by with that in our house. We, we encourage. We live. Here's, here's a really big one. We live by faith. We live by faith. I, I know this will seem foreign, and, and I know I get, we're full-time pastors. I get that. But not one time in our lives, Lisa and I, not one time have we ever lived somewhere because we just decided it would be a good idea to go live somewhere. Our whole lives, our entire lives, we've gone where the Lord told us to go. There's been plenty of seasons that we didn't understand why God had us in a particular place, in a particular role, in a particular thing. We didn't understand it, but we just said, all right, we live by faith. So when God said, go here, we just said, okay, we're going to go. We're going to trust you. And we watched God provide. And as our children got a little bit older, we brought them along that journey. We showed them what it means to live by faith. So we teach the who, we teach the what, the what has to do with what we do. And then number three, we got to teach them the where, teach them the where. And, I, and I'll, there's some things we could do with this. I'll keep it really simple. I think one of the things that we got to do is we got to teach our kids, we got to teach the next generation where we worship. And I understand, in fact, I've taught this, that you can worship anywhere, anytime. And it's true. 
I worship. I, I, I ran this morning, and I worshiped while I was running. I was worship, worshiping outside, right? I'll be with some friends this week on a beautiful river, and you better bet I'm going to be worshiping on that river, all right? I'm a, I, you can worship in your car, right? I, I worship a lot in my car because if I'm worshiping, then I'm not yelling at people who are doing dumb things on the road. So I worship in my car, right? You can, wor- you can worship anywhere. But here's something that I think the next generation is missing is that hands down, I know I'm biased, so just take it, all right? Hands down, the best place to worship is with your church family on a regular basis in a, in a church. I'm just telling you, it's the best place. I knew my mother-in-law would amen me. Thank you. It's the best place. I'm just telling you. But again, it's not going to happen by, by just casually being a part of a church. I'm just telling you, when you plug in to a local church and you make it a priority and you get your kids plugged in and they're going to harvest kids and they're going to harvest youth and they're doing all the things and they're going to trail life and they're learning what it means to be a man from men like Mike Pittman. When they're, when they're doing this, I'm just telling you, here's the beautiful part is you, you are ensuring the passing down because you're inviting some other people to come alongside of your children and now you have kids pastors and youth pastors and leaders who we're investing in your children, and it builds in a rhythm every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. There's a curriculum now that's built in. That's why we send things home with your kids on, on Sundays. It's not just because we like killing trees and printing lots of stuff on paper. It's so you can have something to go home with and to have conversations with your kids, and they understand that this is a part of the rhythm of our lives, that we go to church. This is where we worship. In our culture today, we're seeing the lowest church attendance that we've ever seen. Not in this church, not in, in, across the, in the United States. It's the lowest church attendance that we've ever seen. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm confident. It's because for the last 15, 20 years, we've been far too casual in our approach to church attendance. We just haven't made it a priority. And listen, if your kids see you taking something casual, they're going to take one step further and they're going to just ignore it. So they're going to say, if it's not important to mom and dad, it's not going to be important to me. So we're going to teach them the where, where we worship. Number four, we teach them when. We teach them when. Here's the idea. When this happens, this is what we do. When this happens, when we're disappointed, this is what we do. When we're discouraged, this is what we do. When we have a problem, this is what we do. When someone hurts us, this is what we do. When faced with temptation, this is what we do. You gotta walk your kids, your, your grandkids, the next generation through this, this idea of when this happens, this is how people of faith respond. And then the last one is this, is we gotta teach them the why. Gotta teach them the why. This one's so important. I wish I had more time. Maybe I'll do it on another week, but We've got to teach the why, and I, I'm just concerned that this isn't happening enough, that, that uh, we're teaching, you know what we're the best at is the what's. We're, we're the best at the what's, but our kids, are, our kids are wanting to know the why. Why do we do, why do, we do the what? I'm, I'm concerned that the next generation doesn't know the why behind all the things that we do as people of faith. <clears throat> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I actually missed a chance at this this week. My um, Lisa had... Lisa's birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday. And so we, uh, <clears throat> we got together with some family um, on Friday night. And we were grilling. I was grilling burgers. And I was, out, I was on my parents' patios flipping burgers. I was, I was pretty deep into burgering. And, uh, and uh, Ava came up to me. I, m- I missed an opportunity because Ava came up to me. She said, Dad, I have a question. I'm like, uh-huh. Burgering. And she starts into this whole thing. Dad, I know the Bible, 66 books, all these different authors, all the different places. She tells me, yeah, okay. She goes, Dad, I I get all that. But how did all of the books get all to one place and get put into one book that we now know as the Bible? And I said, because I was burgering, I said, that's a good question, Ava. That's all I said. And I was, to be fair, parents, you get it. I was burgering, okay? It was important. It's my wife's birthday. I got to get these right. I was about to put the cheese on. It's important. And I missed a chance to help my daughter with some of the whys behind the what's. Now, thank goodness, she went inside and she asked her papa, and he did better than me. 
which is so valuable. Your kids want to know why you believe what you believe. They want to know why you go to church. They want to know why you live generously. They want to know why you're so kind to your neighbors. They want to know why the Bible ended up all together, right? They want to know the why. And it's our job. It's our job in the passing on to teach the why. Why don't you stand with me? Any, any, anyone, anyone run track in your, in your younger days? Anyone run track? Got a few track stars. Anyone ever run any relays? Relays? Our, our track season, uh, we just had districts yesterday. Got a few kids going to state next week. So we were, we were at the track meet yesterday. We had one race. It was the boys medley. Every single race this year, this team should have qualified, but every single race this year, something happened. It was either baton to, from one to two, or baton from two to three, or uh, just every t- every time. And we just every time the this team that we knew could qualify for state, they never did. Individually, they're all they're all fast enough. If I just put their times down and add them up, they should qualify to go to state. But you know this, probably. In a, in a relay, it does matter how fast you are. But something else matters. You got to pass the baton. So yesterday, the medley was about to start. And so I got out on the track. The, they start with a 200. So they start out of the blocks. And so our, our little racer got out there and he got his blocks all set. He tweaked them. He got them where he needed them. He was doing all his stretches and his jumping and doing all his things that he thinks make him faster. And I got out there. I said, can I hold your blocks for you? He's like, yeah. So I got on the track. I sat down. I put one foot on the other one. And I sat there. And the, the race, the, the, the starter got out there and he, he's, he get, makes sure they're all ready, makes sure they're all on the line. And he says, set, and they all get down in the racing position, right? And they, they all got to be behind the line, and he's holding his baton. And I'm sitting beside him. I know you're standing. I'm sorry. I'm sitting beside him, and I'm holding the blocks. And when he got down in the set position, I said, fast and clean, fast and clean, fast and clean, fast and clean. And what that means, I'm telling him, run fast, but clean handoff. And I already talked to him, so all I said was fast and clean fast and clean. And I literally, I said fast and clean until the gun went off. Because I wanted him like, gotta get the handoff right, bro. Like, you're good, but you gotta get the handoff right. And so I'm like, fast and clean, fast and clean, fast and clean. And that kid took off. Oh my goodness, like a rocket. It was so fun. And I felt it. I was holding it. I'm like, woo. And it, but I jumped up because I wanted to watch him get to the other side because the last few times I'd watched him, when he got to the other side, they drop the baton. And it doesn't matter how fast you are if you drop the baton. Parents, listen to me. You gotta pass the baton. And the way you pass the baton in track is you're coming in hot, right? I mean, you are sprinting. And that other runner takes off just ahead of you so that you catch him or her and right as you catch them your speed matches their speed their speed matches your speed and they take that baton and they're not starting from a stopped position they're starting with some speed behind them and they just take off and they tear that track to pieces that's how it's supposed to work right now I'm just telling you I was praying this morning I was out on I was out running and praying I was thinking about this I text Ava earlier and I'm like do you have a baton I can use she said yeah and I was thinking about this and listen my dream for our three girls for Mercy and Ava and Eden is that they will know that Lisa and I are coming in hot we're not going to slow them down we're going to catch up and we're going to pass that baton and listen I'm, I'm just I'm so blessed because Lisa and I we're not starting from a cold start I'm starting because my papa passed the baton. My dad passed the baton. 
And Lisa's parents passed the baton. And I'm just telling you, like, it's so fun. It's so fun to watch the baton. Because they're coming, right? So kid one yesterday passed the baton. A kid two's coming around. He's got to pass it to the 400 runner. And so I'm sitting there with the 400 runner, right? And I'm like, get ready, dude. Get ready. Here he comes. He's coming in hot. You got to get ready. Go, 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 go. Get out. Go. I'm like, you're going too slow. Get out there. And he gets out. And he puts his hand up. And the baton passes. And I'm all nervous. And he catches it. And he takes off. I'm like, oh. We have one more, we have one more baton pass. And we might, we might make this, right? is telling you when it comes to the next generation we have a job to do we can't we can't we cannot afford to mess this up that we got to come in ready to pass and that passing is we're teaching them the who and the where and the what and the why and the how and we're, we're passing on intentionally and our kids are able to take off right where we leave off and they've already now they've heard the stories of what God's done and the faithfulness. And they've, they've, we've walked them through some experiences and now they're able to take off. That's, that's just, I'm telling you, it's my dream. Not just for my own kids, that's my dream for every student at Harvest. But can I tell you, I need your help to do that. One of my other dreams is that you would not only be concerned with the passing on to your biological children, but you just adopt the whole next generation. If you, don't have, if you don't have kids still in the home, I got a whole bunch here that you can just adopt. Not really, but spiritually. Can I tell you that our kids need to hear your faith stories. Our kids need to, they need to hear from you. They need, to, they need the passing on. So our worship team is gonna lead us in a final song. I'm gonna come back. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for family. I'm going to pray for your family. You're going to pray for my family. We're going to commit to passing the baton well. So worship team, will you come and lead us? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.